What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer Up. All right. Welcome back. This is episode five of... I can't even finish, I guess. The hype is just real. Here it is. So this is the final episode of Brewers Week. This entire week, we've been just throwing all of the information about beers at you. We've got some stuff going on with Magic, too. It's just hidden hidden in the back end. Magic, what's that? TGIF, y'all. Uh, today, as we've been hyping up, we have our homebrew. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about, is brewing at home, just the process of making beer. And to do that, we brought along... A brewmaster himself. I don't think he's allowed to be called that. That's a title you earn. One day. I a brewmaster it, in training. <laughs> <laughs> so we got my brother Travis on. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. So I kind of want to play a game probably through this episode. Travis and I sound very similar. We, enti- our entire lives have, I guess, according to other people, looked very similar. We played the twin game before. We fucked with people. Uh, we can hand the phone off to each other and nobody knows what's going on <laughs> at the other end. Uh, I want to I wanna know if people can actually tell the difference. I actually do too because I've known you guys for a long time and I think you guys sound way different, but I can see where other people would be like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty similar. Yeah, especially over the phone. Yeah, over the phone, just audio in general. I feel like I can hear the difference, but I want to know if there's an actual difference on the listener end. Pop quiz. How many minutes does Travis talk for? End of the okay. episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who said what and yeah. when? All right. So we've got all homebrews. No no store-bought shit today. Everything came from either Travis or Travis and us. <laughs> yeah. Either Travis or Travis. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I say our homebrew, I mean that the homebrew that Travis coached us and helped us make. Yeah. We didn't want to go in blind. So what do we got here? Okay, Travis, what am I drinking? Okay, um, so in front of Corey, we've got an American Pale Ale. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's actually pretty good. This was the only one that we had today that was kegged. So it's a little bit different from bottle conditioning. Um, unfortunately, it was the bottom of the barrel. So that'll Literally. influence yeah. a little bit of uh, of the taste here. But for sure, it does influence the, the look of it. Yeah, it's murky as hell. Yeah, and we did an extra pour on a pint glass just to get literally the last of, of the keg so where did you get this from um so shout out to uh salt lake brew supply salt city brew supply um they're the ones that usually help me out with getting my kits and grains and everything together um they've been really awesome so i i've just been a patron of theirs for a long time now um so everything that i do really goes in through them so do you do you know what the percentages of all these beers are i do yeah so this one is five on the nose so five oh, percent okay i'm going in Right from the aroma, I'm getting a lot of bitterness notes. Yeah, so as we talked about in the first episode, the light beer episode, APAs are generally characterized by the hop notes, and they're one of the most bitter, if not the most bitter one that we talked about. They can be the most right. bitter. They can also be less mellow than an IPA, so they have a spectrum, but they can go all the way to a 1.0 on that BUG. So <laughs> I was expecting a lot more bitterness from those, but this, I think the bitterness is just right yeah. on point. Like it that is one's a really smooth one. as hell. You definitely get some of the yeasty flavors, but that's just because, like Travis was saying, it's the bottom. Was of this the cake. originally this murky just from the top? And no, no, definitely. You should have seen it. It was like one of the beers we drank in summer when we were barbecuing. Yeah, it, it was, was a fantastic. Really gorgeous golden. God, yeah, right now it, it kind of looks like an apple cider. Like it's really yeah, dark. It really does. So, how Ooh. old or how long was this beer sitting, Travis? Um, so, I brewed this back in uh, April. So, it's 
it's been a few months. Okay. Um, say, at least say six. Letting it, how long was it sitting? It sounds like a, a bad thing. <laughs> how long did you just leave this out? Uh, it's properly aged at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Fine. Fine. That is hella good. That's, it's super. It's so The bitter smooth. is balanced by the tart. Yeah. It's fruity. And it does have... Citrus. Like, yeah, it does have like some citrus notes uh, from the hops, I'm guessing. That tastes um, kind of like an IPA to me. It a little bit. does, but it has a stronger body than what an ipa does yeah yeah i agree yeah when we get to that uh, ipa you'll actually recognize some of the similar flavors when we get in there all right so was so, this brewed with any extra like flavorings or additives or is this just like a standard no this one was actually a standard kit um there was no real challenges or differences from from the recipe itself so it was straight across the board was this the first apa that you made this was yeah so this was i wanted to keep something very simple Due to it being the first time I was kegging, um, oh, yeah. getting a brand new kegging kit from a buddy of mine who's like, you need to stop bottling. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, we'll give this a run. Um, so something simple, but yeah, it worked out really, really well. Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's so good. All right. So what's the next one here, Trav? All right. So we have a chocolate English porter. Um Everyone knows we're all a fan of the, the English style, basically anything. Samuel <laughs> yeah. Smith is like one of our favorite ones here on the show. Yeah. And you can attest to Samuel Smith being I love Samuel tier. Smith. Yep. Uh, yeah, we got a good mix for this episode. When we were at the liquor store the other day, uh, Gary and I found that they're discontinuing, I think it was the <sighs> organic the cho- chocolate. Yeah. Oh, the chocolate man. stout. So uh, go to Lee's Discount Liquor down in Las Vegas and go pick up the rest of them. Yeah, no, stock up. <laughs> that sucks. I just had a bottle of that. And it was no, delicious. No, so ABV on this one? Um, it sits at seven on the nose. Seven. And we don't know IBUs, but I would guess it's probably pretty high. And this one passes the Drew and Gary and hold to the light test. Just black as oil. Yeah. Yes, dark. SRM is probably 40 plus. I'll say it's 43. Ooh. <laughs> so Trav and I have had this one a couple times. I've had it when it was bottle conditioned for about three weeks. And then about two weeks later, I let it go to see if it would carbonate more. And it was pretty flat the first time because that carbonation really took a long time. But as you'll see in the, the beauty shots here, like it carbonated really yeah. nicely. And how long has it been sitting now? Um, I Let's see. This is probably, this was before uh, the APA actually. So this is probably since March. In the bottles. In the bottles, yeah. Damn. Dude, yeah, it so is really good. It's got that kind of uh, non-American kind of wild flavor to it. Like I, I say mushroomy, and that's not the right earthy. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's earthy, kind of. And the cocoa is pretty like subdued, like the chocolate. But that is just a delicious, smooth stout. Yeah, I was oh, so excited to try. God. I didn't even smell it. I just reported. Dove right in. So, on the nose, it has a lot of that malt body, uh, like smell to it. Uh, kind of a, I would guess chocolate malt is used in it just because you know it's a chocolate well, porter surprise. A little bit, uh, yeah. But that's uh, one of the roasted malts that you get and. It really adds a lot of uh, depth of flavor as well as the the color. And then, again, you get that taste. It's just whew, chocolate. Yeah, so we did um, something a little different with this guy than any of the other ones we've done. Um, so there's actually two things. So at first, this was just a standard English porter, and we decided to do a chocolate English porter instead. So we, audit, uh, we added a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of, we added some uh, pure cocoa yeah. into it. So I think it was like an Aztec cocoa. Um, was it just like cocoa beans or was it like a powder? It was powdered. Added? Yeah. So you just mix that in with the beer. Um, so after it's initial brewing before bottling, uh, we really did a secondary kind of fermentation with it. We put that in during there. Okay. Um, you do risk a couple of like 
points of infection doing that. So that was one thing that we wanted to try and avoid. Um, luckily, when we first introduced it, it was a high enough alcohol content to kind of help with that. But um, when we looked at it for the second time, right before we decided to bottle, we had this weird little funk on top and we were like, <laughs> we're screwed. We um, we did something wrong, but it turns out it was just an actual, just an oily layer on top that helps protect the beer when you're brewing. Nice. So, Delicious. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, then a, the second risk that we took here was uh, we didn't do a standard like dextrose um, sort of priming sugar. We used dark brown uh, brown sugar. Cool. So let's get some of those molasses flavors. Yeah. In there. So it was the a only bit. one that I would ever want to use. Is I would. I love brown sugar. And I would just want to only use brown sugar as prime sugar for. So do you think both of those things can contribute to how smooth that beer is? Because it's literally uh, it feels smooth, like a there's like a little bitterness at the end, but it's weird that I don't think it's as sweet as I thought it was going to be, and it's definitely not as sweet as it was mm-hmm. the first t- couple times I tried it. Really? Yeah. So tasting this again for the first time since I conditioned it after the first two weeks, it's. Actually, like a lot better. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a lot yeah, more balanced. It, it did carbonate a lot better as well. So one of the things that we had to do that was very important was actually measure out to the half gram of how much sugar we wanted to be in there. Oh, wow. um, so when we were right before bottling, as we're priming, um, it was this kind of risk to take. Well, should we put in a little extra to make it a little bit more carbonated? Um, so you know, porters generally speaking aren't the most carbonated. Uh, beer out there, but it was actually a really good idea. We put in about 10, 20 grams more than what we we wanted to. And when we first opened it up, it was kind of flat and we're like, well, shoot, maybe we should have put more in. (laughs) Now that it's developed, it was, it's really a a really good beer, but using that dark brown sugar, I think it adds a a deeper flavor, a little bit more of a richness to it. Yeah. Adding that extra carbonation after letting it condition longer, adds kind of like a tang to it, which is I don't know if everyone is going to appreciate that, but it oh, is yeah. like a discernible so difference good. from the first time I had it. Yeah, this definitely has more funk than just ran- random, you know, American beers you're getting in it. And I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I can yeah. I can get the funk and it's just so smooth. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful beer. But yeah, that, that richness, I, I can, I see what you're saying, Travis. What a head. Yeah, oh man, the beauty pour on this one was so yeah, good. You like could see the textbook has, definition, Rocky Pebble. Yeah, it was gorgeous which is when we poured it like i said did not expect that i was honestly worried that this was just going to be one of those pours like hopefully Corey gets a good pour on this one and like really like shakes it up a bit because last time it was not not a nice pour. good thing i didn't i was i was worried for first time seeing it after that long it's also good that it's carbonated because when because i shared with my buddy pat the the two porters so that he could have that comparison and they just disappeared because there's no carbonation to slow slow me down. It was just like, oh man, this is a real good, you know, like nice smooth. Soda. Ready to go. It was, was kind of like a nitro. It was just smooth yeah. as hell. But I will say, it just it felt like I was missing something. And I think that's a, a nice balanced beer now. Yeah, good job, Joe. Nice. Okay, nice. Drew. I think you got you got stuck with an IPA. Uh, you say that, and but... I think all of us are for the first time. We're like, I want the IPA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just to. Frame of reference on this, we've talked about it a couple times, but before we recorded the first episode, we kind of had like a, a sacrificial beer of just like, okay, how do we review beers? How do we how do we do this? And I had one of Travis's beers, and it was this. And it we was all, this one. It was this one. Oh god! So we've, we've all had it before, and we've all basically said, "Man, that was fucking good. That's what an IPA should be." So, We're like, "Damn, Travis knows how to make beer." <laughs> so coming back to this, we should get him on the show. <laughs> you said this is the are. last one. Yes, this is the last of the batch. 
So what, what kind of IPA is it? So this is a, uh, a Talisman Dagda IPA. It's Dagda. Yeah, it is a Dagda IPA. There. Is that like a type of IPA or is that just a, a name like from a Talisman? Yeah. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think it is a very specific um, extract okay. of, of an IPA. So um, cool. it sits at 8.2% and the ABV. Um, it is a little bit stronger than these other beers today, but it's not the strongest IPA that you know that's out there. Um, I do plan on brewing it again, almost exactly the same. I would like to see what another pound of sugar would do to it, though. Yeah, it's got a nice like floral and citrus aroma. Uh, you can smell the bitterness to it. Uh, it's not actually as bitter as you'd think an IPA would be. It's pretty balanced. It actually has a, a really nice, almost kind of weedy body to it. We were all jealous when we smelled it. It just smells delicious. Yeah, when we were pouring out of these beers, it was just like, ooh, this one smells good. Ooh, I honestly don't know if adding good. extra sugar would be the greatest idea. Most IPAs finish kind of like crisp and bitter. This one has like a sweetness. It's still very crisp and it finishes nicely, but it has a sweetness to it that I don't expect from IPAs often. Yeah, that's um, probably because one of the flavors, I'm not sure if we're going to get into that a little bit here. Let's try but, and guess it. Why not? Um, but there is a, a very strong note of something that you guys will recognize. Corey, you got anything? I don't have anything. I just, it's so smooth. It's, it's so yeah. good. You it's get all really that bitterness good. up front, but then it just lingers at that, that flavor that yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's sweet and it's starting to kind of turn bitter in my mouth now, but. Yeah, it'll feel a little bit dry at the end of it. Yeah, and it, it lingers for a, a while. It's definitely a fruit that's in there. I, I mean, it tastes like a tangerine to me. Tangerine or like a, like the. Cutie oranges, like the orange little clementines. Kind of clementine, yeah. yeah, so you're pretty close. It's actually apricot. Oh. Um, yeah, so there is a very strong note of apricot in there. It was unintentional, actually. But um, as part of those sugars, I think we had introduced some apricot sugars into it. So, um, yeah, it's it's really good. I, it's probably my favorite beer that I've made of all time. Yeah, I think it's your best beer. I, I would agree. Like the porter, porter's good, but IPA is definitely your best beer. Yeah, this one's really... Uh, I, well, IBUs probably 40 to 50. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The bitterness is definitely up there, but it's not like overpowering. No, I'd it's, say it's, it's probably well like balanced. A, a point, I don't know, point six, point six yeah, five I, I on that BUG. Like point six, point seven, like somewhere in there. Because it is still pretty sweet and, and a little tart from the fruit, you know. But it does have that bitterness that is characteristic of an IPA. Yeah. All right. And the last one we've Four. got here is the one that we all made. Yeah. So we have um, a nut brown ale in front of me. So uh, I got this kit. This was from the Northern Brewer Homebrew Supply. It's a nut brown ale, and I think it's supposed to be about 5%, but ours ended up being 4.7? 4.7. Partly because we made slightly more than five gallons, right? Yeah, so our, our yield ended up being at 5.25, so five and a quarter gallons, which definitely drives that percentage down a little bit. But more beer for us. More beer. <laughs> True. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, so none of us have tasted this yet. We literally, yeah, literally just, just opened this, <laughs> and then let right Travis now, have the first go. Yeah, he's our our taste master. You guys keep on just giving him random titles. <laughs> have you a, earned this? He's a did legend. you go to school <laughs> for tasting? <laughs> I I did not. No, it is no. good. It's good. Um, it smells good, and the fact that it actually got to the level of carbonation it did with only two weeks of bottle conditioning is very surprising. Yeah, it, made this beer in four weeks. It. it tastes like it has like an English yeast to it. So it doesn't taste like an American brown ale. Um, uh, they, I, I wouldn't say it's got some funk to it. It's it's so fucking smooth, man. <laughs> so I believe it is a European yeast that they okay, provide. Yeah. 
Because nut browns are usually pretty like one note kind of yeah. rye uh, bread, right? I don't know if I'd say they're one note. I would say oh, it's God, one, it of the, um, it smells, one of the one of the basic beers. Yeah, it is like get. one of the one. It's one of the easiest to brew, right? That's the reason why I got it because know, it right? was <laughs> something that I knew was going to be approachable. Uh, supposed to be able to make it in four weeks, which was perfect for us to actually have it on the show now. Uh, oh, God, and it was just yeah. like the prime time way for us to do it because it's unapproachable beer to do i wish you guys could have seen garyan's face right now <laughs> I, I, I was thinking it flashed in my mind like oh my god we each have like 20 bottles of this <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know if funk's like the right word for it but no. that's the first got, thing that came to mind though it's got some some mad flavors to it it's super super malty in yeah, the, a the more richness. like i was saying like bread kind of way like it kind of is reminiscent of like when you smell bread flour you know what i mean I think you it's, were kind of on the money with that rye sort of yeah. overtone. Good Lord. And it is super smooth, like Corey said. It's, it, it's it has a really earthy smell. Yeah, like, it's it's, it's that, really, really sweet, but not like sweet that it like, yeah, it's like a tastes bad smell. or like makes you have a hangover, but it's just like just a good sweetness. <laughs> good beer. So do you think if we let it sit longer, will it be I think better it, or like, worse? I think what, it would be a little happen? bit better. Um, yeah. So we're right on the edge of early early beer yeah um, we, we opened it as soon as we could <laughs> yeah so um i'd give it probably another week before it i'd say it's like a matured enough beer for for real consumption but as a first first bottle opened on that that's really not a bad uh, brown ale yeah it's earthy it's bready and then it's sweet yeah there's basically no like discernible hop flavor to it yeah i would like I, right at the end is the only time that i get any of it even then it's super super mild doesn't linger the the bitterness doesn't linger yeah. just that like bread flour kind of it's so good i know how i, I like think, that one. i think we nailed it my friends we did pretty okay for a first try thanks for guiding us on our path yeah of course um <laughs> i mean if you guys want to do it again we should definitely do hell it yeah um so i've got a couple of things in mind that you guys should try there's also an extra project that you and i have been trying to get together for a while that's true that's something we'll have on the show what are they what are, what are we talking about here well um we've been talking about doing a uh, a mead oh yeah. yeah so um we we're talking about just doing either a standard ye- uh, mead I think or do both or maybe a raspberry mead oh hell yeah i don't want to say expected in the future but something that Someday. we're, we're yeah. working on we're it. working on it got my two best guys on it <laughs> all right well we talked a lot about travis's beers but we should just talk overall about making beer and i don't know if we've ever had an episode where we could just talk about what is beer yeah so i think this is a good point to preface this episode by saying this is the one episode that we're not going to talk about magic and i think beer baby i think it's just we're celebrating brewers week and especially travis who's brewed a lot of beer and we are now brewers so i think just celebrating beer is what we're going to just mainly focus on in this episode. We're not going to delineate it with some magic cards, even though we love magic more than anything. But we're also, just Travis fo- wouldn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just going to focus on beer. So what is beer, Drew? Uh, well, you've got your four classic ingredients, uh, the revised German purity law. You have water, your grain, or malts, depending on like what terminology you want to use, uh, your hops, and your yeast. So... The German period, beer purity law that I was talking about only allows for hops, barley, and water. Barley is your, your grain that you're using. 
Um, later yeast was added because they needed to be able to ferment and actually like make beer. Um, but originally it was just those three things. So water is the majority of what beer is. Obviously it's a liquid. It's 80 to 95% of beers in Utah, probably that 95%. Uh, so your grain or your malts is usually barley, but we see things like wheat and there's people try anything nowadays. Yeah, you got you can, corn you and rye, rice, like you rye, anything. uh, your hops, those are important for aromatics and flavor. You know, we've got IPAs that are specifically like designed around uh, having those hops. And depending on when they were added, they uh, changed the flavor drastically and what they're actually for. Yeah. And especially in American beers, they tend to focus more on hops. Yeah. And but, I'd like to interject there about these two beers and the uh, IPA and the APA here. They actually do share several of the same ingredients, but have kind of a vastly different flavor profile. Um, one of them of the shared is definitely the uh, Centennial hops. Um, there Ooh. is definitely a fair share of both in those. But hops also add uh, a really cool antibacterial property, which I think a lot of people don't realize or don't know. It's just something that I don't know if, why it was originally added. I think it was just probably just because it was flavor. Uh, but it helped protect those old beers, old school beers that they just let sit out. Yeah, they didn't have yeast. They just let it rot in a bottle, basically. <laughs> oh, just with this magic put it in thing a barrel. In the and air. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and speaking of yeast, those are the microbes that digest the sugars in the malts to make alcohol and CO2 via fermentation, right? And the type of yeast determines what kind of beer you make. We've talked about it uh, when we did the episode with Sean on sours, uh, lagers, ales, sours all use different yeast. Sours have like a wild yeast, but there's specific lager and specific ale yeasts. So when we talk about grains and malts, there's, like we said, there's a lot of different grains you could use, but primarily most beers are using barley. Um, Wheat, rye, corn, rice, and oats are also somewhat common. Most of the time as an additive, not on their own. Um, malt is generally an abbreviated word, right? We, we, we hear when we're talking about brewing and you're in the circle of brewers, we say malt, but it means malted barley, which... Or a malted grain. Right, or, or your malted grains, right? These malted uh, grains are basically specific types of grains that are used to make the sugars in the beer. And the way that they malt these grains the process by which they do that is soaking them and then draining them, which basically convinces those grains to start germinating, to start their natural process of growing and, and want to create sugars. Yeah. What it does is that they have these complex storage sugars like starch. And by having this uh, germination process start, it allows the, the seed to break down the starch into usable sugars. And the one that are generally being focused on is maltose, which you know, you are malting the beer, you're making this sugar. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, so you soak the grain, you drain them, you dry them, because once you dry them out, you are able to stop the that process from happening so that they don't completely digest all of the sugars. Um, and then you crush the, the grain into what's known as a grist. Uh, and then you soak that grist in hot water to activate those enzymes again to activate uh, the process of germination just to get it ready for fermentation. So malting barley gets the grain to produce maltose, which is the food for our yeast. But on the complete opposite spectrum, we've got some hops. So what are hops? Hops are a flowering plant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the, the scientific name right oh, here. God. I wanted to read the name because it's so funny. <laughs> it's humulus lupulus or, or humerus. 
Humulus Lepulus. I don't know how to really it's say it. It's whatever it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's a fantastic. Whoever named that yeah. nailed it. Yeah, so it's from the hemp family. Yeah, and so they, if you ever seen some weed or just a little <laughs> bud of weed, hops look very similar. They're just little cone. Little yeah, cone they're like a little green pine cone. Yeah. yeah. And they're really small, really tight. And then there's over a hundred different varieties and then people are still making new varieties because they're just... Yeah, they're crossbreeding. Crossbreeding and, and doing all yeah, this like crazy stuff. Five classified scientific breeds and that's like mainly based on the region, but people have been like just... Yo, plant sex. Let it happen and <laughs> make Do new it. stuff. Uh, Give us the goods. So hops have a very important part to play in the flavor of beer. It balances it versus all of the stuff that the yeast makes and that sweetness that you get from the malts. Um, and what actually does all of like the flavor, what the actual ingredient or chem- chemical is, is uh, alpha acid. So they change shape when they're boiled to isomerize into a, a different shape. And that's actually what we taste. And so... The longer it's boiled, the more of that process is happening. And so more of the bitterness will come through the longer it's boiled. And so uh, the other cool part about that is that the new shape of the alpha acids is actually what's responsible for inhibiting bacterial reproduction in certain bacteria. And that sort of acts as a a natural antibacterial agent. Yeah. And I think if you like a lot of IPAs, you can tell that there's just different levels and kinds of bitterness. And that's just because they've boiled these hops and developed these acids for different amounts of time. Yeah. So, Trav, can you talk about the timing that hops are used in? Like, yeah. when do you put hops in for certain things? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we'll, we'll actually use this IPA as an example. Um, I guess we can consider it as technically a double IPA. Um, but you start with about an ounce of, of hops to start your boil, if your 60-minute boil when brewing. Um, and then throughout the rest of the process, you're going to have the strongest bitterness flavor from that first introduction. Um, you'll get like a little oily residue if you ever look at the very fine, flat part of the beer. Because it's um, sat for that full 60 minutes. Right? Yeah, it, it allows it to really be extracted from um, the plant base itself. Yeah, so um, early hopping is for balance. Yeah, um, it, it gives you more of a flavor rather than an aroma. Um, so the later you introduce your, your hops. So on this one, we do a five minute hops, um, introduction. So we do 60, 30, 15, and then five. Um, the five is just purely for aromatic purposes. Yeah. Those Um, are the the finishing hops or aromatic hops. Yeah. And then there, there is something during secondary fermentation. You can do a, something called dry hopping. Um, dry hopping is really good to get purely aromatic flavor. Uh, sorry, aromatic smell, um, of those hops. So that is super dependent on whatever you're using prior because you're going to really boost the that smell profile of uh, of whatever you're using in the boil. Right. So you've got early hopping for balance. You've got late hopping, which is part of the boil. So you said it's like 15 minutes yeah. uh, to add just that extra hop flavor that isn't over bitter, I guess, right? It's the actual like fruity part of the Yeah. Hop. And that's kind of where those uh, that apricot kind of flavor comes from. That's gotcha. part of that. And then you have your finishing hops, which are strictly aromatic. And then the most important, no, maybe not most important, but just... I think they're all equally important. I thought the water was the most important. I know, right? It is like I, 90, 90%. I don't know. I would probably put this Yeast last, is the most important, right? I, I would say yeast is the most important. This is going to... Without yeast, you just have shitty flavored water. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, Amen. On, top of, on top of that, there's so many different types of yeasts. Right. And if you use the wrong one, you're not having the beer that you're coming out with. Yeah. You mix up, you know, your lager versus your ale yeast. And if you're putting it at the wrong temperature, then that yeast is going to die. And right. there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, on this table, there's three different types of yeasts. Yeah. So what Travis is getting at and what Gary is hinting at is that yeast is really important. It's, it is. Yeah. But what makes beer yeast special? What makes it, I guess, why do we, why do we use it? Basically, you you have to have these yeasts in order to, like we said, convert to to eat the sugar that's inside this mixture of shit in your water (laughs) and convert that into alcohol. So without the yeast, you don't have beer. You don't have an alcoholic beverage. You just have flavored water and probably not good flavored water. So the, the yeast is what actually creates the fermentation process in your beer. Yeah, yeast also adds... Uh, flavor characteristics. We we kind of make a lot of jokes ever, ever since reading the craftbeer.com's like explanation of certain things, but the fruity esters, you know, yeah. banana, orange, apricot, all of these things, uh, it's a byproduct of the fermentation process that yeah. you get these. And some of the byproducts are disgusting and terrible. And uh, I don't know, maybe taste or smell like sweaty feet or have a buttery taste to them. Uh, but tastes like pine needles. Or leather. Or yeah. Leather. And so a lot of the, the off notes of beer, the things that are kind of, you don't expect it. You know, it's not specifically uh, designated as a beer flavor. That's used from the yeast. Yeah, it's not something that you put in there that smelled like that. It happened because of this chemical process. Yeah, there's a uh, a very high chance of spoiling your beer with yeasting um, like too long or just like letting it ferment in a different, like concealed way. Um, we, I mean, talk about mistakes here. Uh, my first stout actually had a, an infection. We want to uh, probably put it down to the yeast. We let it sit too long, um, and so it produced a sour note. And is that ba- it's basically because yeast are like fish, right? They just keep eating even if there's not. Yeah, and the thing about yeast is um, they're auto-cannibalistic, so they'll start eating each other and eating themselves before, the, before they're all done. Um, so if there's no more sugar available in your suspension then they'll go ahead and start eating each other. Yeah. And that'll that'll give you sour notes. <laughs> Hardcore. Cannibal yeast are gross. <laughs> yeah. Brew yeast is special. It gives everything that we want out of the beer. Some things we necessarily don't want. Uh, but it's able to survive the conditions of making beer. It's able to survive the alcohol that it produces. Uh, and some can survive better than others. So we get stronger beers because of it. So we get better yeast that has kind of been bred over time. Like we've selected these uh, yeast for specific beers. And that's kind of how we get lager versus ales is that we get specific yeast that we found out through accidents and experimentation that these can survive at colder temperatures or they just make beer in a different way. And the fact that we have such specifics for yeast allows us to control fermentation more than what we could before before it was literally just hey put it in a barrel stick it up on a hill and just let it go and we'll come back in a couple Hopefully months and see what it's it is good and yeah. now you know we made a beer in four months because the yeast can allow for that four weeks even yeah sorry i said four months so just like how travis was saying like three of these beers have three different kinds of yeasts yeah and like there's a whole selection of different yeasts you can use just to narrow down what exact kind of beer you want to make Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, do we want to go do another quick taster on these beers? I see, think that would be appropriate. Sitting with us. <laughs> I've been drinking the IPA. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, so I ended good. up giving Travis the IPA. He just kept on wanting to taste it. I was like, just take the whole damn thing, I guess. It's so good. Uh, so, I know I'm about to hit that porter here in a second. <laughs> yeah, so we got the APA. 
about five percent. And Corey, I, I know it's a bit bit hazy. With all a, the you can actually it's, start seeing it to uh, separate there. On yeah, that, it's that still pine. really murky, and I don't. I think Travis mentioned this, but this was the very last of the keg, and so we filled up as many glasses as we could. So I've just been <laughs> drinking all of them. <laughs> I'm I'm almost down to the very last glass, but it's so good. You just get that residual bitterness just sitting on your taste buds that I love, but it's it's so smooth. I'll be honest, when I uh, first put this in the keg, I was, I was worried because it was my first kegging, um, but uh, the primary problem that I had was force carbonating it, so it was a little bit different of a process. You can do just a regular carbonating process with uh, just a CO2 tank and the keg, but... Um, I, I was trying something my uh, brewer friend told me to do, and he put it on the floor, bump it up to like 60 psi, and just start kicking it around. You can hear the <laughs> bubbles uh, ah, going around yes. through it. It's just, and you're like, I don't know if this thing's going to explode <laughs> or yeah, what. I, I helped keg uh, one of my coworkers, and it was the first time I've ever actually like done home brewing from start to finish. Because before I helped our friend Cody, uh, I just I think we just helped bottle really. Uh, yeah. But when we did his keg, we literally were just, I think, playing cards at the kitchen table and he had it underneath. And he's like, all you do is just kick it back and forth between two people. So we just sat there for like 30 minutes, just kicking it yeah, back and forth, back and forth. Rock it back and forth. But yeah, you can um, take it from your bottling day where you would normally condition and have beer that night. Yeah. So, so yeah, that it's, is the it's basically of instead of filling each individual bottle and letting it sit for two weeks like we did, you just put it in a keg and then pressurize it, right? For the most part, yeah. Um, and you don't add extra conditioning sugar. Correct. No yeah. prime sugar. Which we'll talk about as soon as we get through the rest of these. Okay, Gary, which one did you have? So I've got his chocolate English porter, um, and this was the seven percenter, and I'm feeling it. <laughs> floating above this table right now. Um, I've been sipping it the whole time. Yeah, he's actually gone pretty slow through it. but <laughs> Yeah, I have actually been taking slow it Slow and steady. I want the um, last of the bottle, though. It's incredible. It's extremely smooth. It's only malt. I, I don't taste any hop in it. The cocoa is actually, or the chocolate, is more subdued than I thought when you hear chocolate porter, but maybe because it's a porter, it has kind of that oily smooth kind of texture and it's just it's all malt and just beautiful darker than hell <laughs> it is very dark the malt is definitely like the forward taste uh the bitterness is just right at the very end not really much to it uh it does have a little bit of kind of not quite acidic but you can taste the carbonation and i i just have a frame of reference yeah. for when it wasn't as carbonated yeah i almost get like a a sweet aftertaste i think that's where those uh priming sugars really yeah. kicked in there but yeah i i can taste the almost caramely type of flavor mm. kind of in the back yeah i'm not getting a lot of chocolate notes but that malt is just so rich Strong. and so good that's interesting because there was definitely some chocolate notes when we first poured it but it's kind of subdued now yeah all right trav i gave you the ipa yeah, what are what are back to you tasting <laughs> notes here it's, yeah i figure it's 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 his last bottle. You might as well be the one to enjoy it. Yeah, so this IPA is 8.2. You you know it is 8.2. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know, it's really good. Like I said, you can, you, you taste that fruity, um, citrusy sort of taste in there. Um, it's smooth. It looks beautiful. It's, it is, Gorgeous. it is the best one for sure. It's got kind of like a, 
reddish tinge. Yeah, it's kind of burnt orange color. It's it's pretty hazy, but not a hazy IPA. I don't know. I think that the APAs just ruined me because that doesn't taste bitter at all. Oh, God. <laughs> you just get... And sipping uh, on that APA, yeah, you just get you, used to it. You get a lot of that hop flavor, that, and that sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very sweet for apricot. An IPA is saying sweet for Gary and Passage. So I can have some more. <laughs> it's, it's weird it's because so smooth. I don't drink a lot of IPA, so that bitter mixed with the apricot. I think that's what kind of tricked me into like thinking orange or tangerine, like more of the rind kind of feel, like because it's so bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it's really, really good. After sipping on this super malty uh, porter, it feels really bitter. But honestly, it's. It's really not. It's super fruity, tart a little bit, very citrusy, coats the tongue. Yeah, I will say the bitterness lingers for a day and a goddamn half, but it is, yeah. that's a good beer. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I, we've got yeah. a good set of the spectrum I on this one. I can't really disprove anything that Gary said. Like, I was trying to think, <laughs> yeah, like, I think what Gary I was going to say, because he was it. talking while I was drinking, and I was just like, correct, yes, correct. yes, got some apricot, especially like, you taste it, and then you open your tongue after, and just kind of let the, the air hit it, and like, that's boom, 100%. It's like, hey, bite down this apricot real quick. Get that yeah, taste. I didn't really know what the flavor profile was until Travis said apricot, and I was like, yeah, and oh, that's the reason yep, why Travis apricot, didn't yeah, want to say that. It all them. makes sense. It, immediately, it's just because as soon as you hear that, you know, it's like, you got taste something that you don't like, and just like, oh, it tastes like butter and i'm just like yeah i hate it (laughs) i I don't even want to try it (laughs) okay drew funny we use butter in this our beer yeah so i ended up with the english style nut brown ale uh it's one that we brewed one from the northern brewer supply home supply to give that an srm number it's not quite 40 do you think that's probably like a 35 no this is like 20 really you should look at those values brown something like that I mean, maybe it's because I was holding to light and it was distorted. Yeah, it's oh, like, you can see some sediment in there. It's a, a really dark red. Oh, it is red. But it's, it? yeah, it's I would have classified really, it as a, a red, but not like a ruby red. Yeah, it's like really red pink. brown. Yeah, like a really dark cherry it's like, red. Yeah. Very smooth. It's sweet. Like, after drinking it for an extended period of time, it's almost like cloyingly sweet now. Uh, the carbonation is basically died on it, so it's just super smooth. Not really much of hop taste at all like no like fruitiness to it although there is some like not, not really like any citrusy notes that you get from hop but there is some of those like fruity esters perhaps there's like a an earthiness to it that's almost an oily kind of texture to it i think that's where that hop is kind of playing in there because yeah. we introduced that right at the beginning right yeah yeah so this is right at the beginning yeah so it, it just smells like bread <laughs> yeah it's it's really it does, yeah, it's really thick but smooth at the same time and like drew was saying you get that fruity sweetness to it and then it just sort of mellows out i'd say this is gonna improve in the next week oh yeah it'll improve as long as it sits in there oh yeah i'm excited i mean there's a reason why the english love this beer um it's an easy drinker uh, easy to make and you can drink lots of it very quickly it's weird because it is super sweet when you are thinking about whether it's sweet or not, but it doesn't taste like anything that should be sweet. You yeah. know what I mean? It tastes like rye flour, kind of like bready, malty. Um, and so it doesn't feel like a dessert beer, but I could see after drinking it, <laughs> like the whole bottle over an hour, you know, it could probably start to get sweet on you. Yeah. So uh, the first like couple of years that so I was at university, uh, Trav and I would go every Sunday to get wings. And the beer that I would always order, I guess I should say it like that because I didn't drink at the time. But once I started going back there when I was legal, 
uh, the nut brown ale that they had, I would always go back to. That was like my go-to just pair with food beer. All right, so now that we've talked about the beers again, we're going to talk about homebrewing. What is the actual process? So this is going to seem like a lot going on, but we're going to take it step by step and just simplify the process as much as we can. Drive, you want to start us off? How do we how do we start this? Well, I think you should start with the number one rule, and that number one rule is sanitize everything all the time. We definitely have yeah. pictures to prove that. Uh, Trav, basically, anytime anyone was touching anything, you got to sanitize your hands. We got the sanitized bucket and just dunk your hands in there. You got 30 seconds. You got to clean everything. Hey, are you going to use that tool? Okay, put it in the bucket. Got a measuring glass? Put it in the bucket. Just sanitize. Yeah, sanitize. we just had a big old bucket. It's just sanitizing and water. It, literally, everything needs to be sanitized because even when you're doing things correctly, sometimes things go bad. And Trav, you've had that problem. You're trying to make sure that you don't do it again. Yeah, I've uh, definitely... Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's what happens. If you don't have a, a proper sanitizing kind of uh, mentality to it, like you definitely open up the risk of infection, getting off tastes in your beer, and ultimately losing that batch. Yeah. Um, Coming from like a scientific standpoint, some of the labs I've worked in, it's just if you have any potential for infection of your cell cultures or anything like that, like you're probably fired. Like Yeah, you're it's just, you can't compromise it. Yeah, you have to have your procedure down pat and, and it's everything not needs just to be taken care of for the taste. I mean, mostly it's for the taste. You don't want an off tasting beer, but it's also for safety. Like you yeah. could literally make something that is not safe to drink. Right. So you've got to be careful. Yeah, and so I mean, you can have some really off tasting beer and drink it and love it. That's how sours are introduced. Right. Um, but you other have that than that, food grade like, sanitization. Right. Absolutely. So start with number one rule. Yeah. The joke that we had while we were brewing is, don't worry, it's food safe. <laughs> it is Put anything you in could the, eat off this floor. You could <laughs> eat off the floor at the end of the day. Yeah, you spill all over. It's technically food safe. All right, so when we're getting into the brewing process, aside from saying, you know, sanitize everything every single time. That is that is step zero. That's step zero. It's step one. It's step two. <laughs> yeah. It's step 1.5. Do, do anything in every step. <laughs> so this is, isn't necessarily part of the home brewing process, but you mulch your grains, right? You get that germination going. You get your, your sugars. Uh, I said, as we're talking about, like getting your grains ready, you malt your grains, then you crush your grains to make your grist. Uh, you boil your grist to make a mash. That's like the real first step for homebrewing. Yeah. Uh, And there's a couple of different ways you can, you can do that. You can either get your kits or you can do it on all grain process where you're actually doing that whole step. I was going to say, when we got our kit, the, the grains had already been malted and dried and crushed, right? Correct. Yeah. And so we just toss them in a, in a, in the pot, started boiling, and that's to start our boil. Yeah, and so uh, that's how you make your mash. Your mash, if you, you'll hear specific terms. You've got mash and wort. So mash is when all of the grains are still in the liquid. Like that is, mash is just all of the things combined, basically. It's all mashed up. Uh, and then you uh, louder your mash, which is a fun, fun word, um, to get your wort. And basically, you're removing the grains. That's what loudering means. Uh, yeah. And we didn't do a complex louder. We just pulled the grains out, and now we have our wort. Yep. We're in a nice little filtered bag. Yep. Yeah, we d- we did the uh, the bagging process instead of a full louder, which is the uh, process of draining it into a separate uh, vessel. Yeah, you have your your mash out, your recirculation process, and then your sparging. Sparge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after that, you boil your wort. Uh, this helps to stabilize the wort. That's really the whole process of it to make sure that. It becomes, like, it, it stops the, the grain process for one, but it, it just makes a uh, stable product. Um, if you're using a malt extract, you generally are going to add your malt extract 
before boiling because that adding the malt extract is actually what makes the wort because if you're not doing an all grain process, then you don't have a wort yet. That basically just introduces enough sugar for what you're trying to make, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, just to get it going. So then you're going to add your balancing hops to your boiling, which is, like we said, your first uh, round of hops should you be doing more than one round. Yeah, if you're doing like your 60 minutes, it's right at the beginning. Yep, you're going to boil that for the full 60 minutes. And then after that, you're going to add flavor hops, should that be the type of beer you would do that at, you know, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, like yeah. we were saying. Kind 15 of minutes in, before the finish. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the process so that it has some time to boil. Yep. And then you're going to add aromatic hops towards the end of the boil, five minutes, 10 minutes left. And you can also do aromatic hops. Like you can pull, pull it off the boil, then throw your hops in and you can get aromatic hops that way. Or you can do as Travis was saying, where uh, if you're moving to a secondary fermentation vessel, you can put it in there. Yeah, so that's called dry hopping. Yeah, right. And then we had this really fun process that we got to do, which was the hurry up and wait, where you remove it from the heat and you allow it to cool to as close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit as possible. Yeah, you want to go from boiling to 100 as fast as, as you can. Um, and the suggestion from basically everywhere is to fill your uh, sink full of ice, make an ice bath, and then you put that giant kettle into the ice bath and then just try and cool it down as fast as possible. And this is basically because we need to get it to a temperature where the yeast aren't going to just die when you introduce them. Because if you yep. kill your yeast, we said you don't make beer. No good. Yeah, we used all of the ice in the house. <laughs> yeah, literally. literally all my, of the my ice. My ice maker was tanked. <laughs> After that, you had the wart to the fermentation vessel, which is just a, a big old bucket. Yeah, it's a yeah. fermenting pail. We call it a carboy. So you have well, two different types of carboys. Well, yeah, there's also, well, you have the, your uh, like carboys specifically, but then there's also just like fermentation pails, which are your like your buckets. Yeah. Uh, there are just specific fermenters that are designed for it. And so there's there's a lot of things. We're all that, from Idaho, so we rocked the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I just said fermentation vessel in, in the description here just because there are a lot of yeah, things. There's, like there's It is a, a vessel a that holds different things, things you could do. Yep. I mean, you could literally go to Home Depot, grab a five-gallon <laughs> bucket, drill a hole it. in it, sanitize it. <laughs> Then you can go ahead and make a little airlock. That could be your uh, your vessel if you needed it to be. Yeah, and when you add your wort, you want to leave as much debris behind as possible without wasting. Yeah, you don't want any of that nasty stuff. But then after that, you just add cold water to reach however much you're making. So we did a five-gallon batch. So we put all of our wort in, and then we added up to five gallons. And then we, we ended up we with went, a little bit. Yeah, we went a little bit on the heavy side. Part of that was because we were trying to, to cool it down still. We were making sure that our yeast didn't die. And yeah. I think we did well. And then you you take all your measurements, which it's this cool little hydrometer hydrometer thing. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a, a buoy that you see out in yeah. the ocean that's so just like bobbing a buoy around. Mixed with a thermometer. Yeah, and exactly it just, it just it gives is. you the measurement of your gravity. Yeah, so it's, it measures the density, um, and so the higher your gravity, the more sugars you have. And then after that, you aerate, and then you activate and add your yeast. Once it's cooled down enough that the yeast won't just die. Do you die. need five people with yeast rings that you have to put together to activate your yeast? Yep. <laughs> Captain yeast. <laughs> Captain yeast. But no, uh, oh, depending yeast. on the yeast that you have, uh, you activating it is just like putting it in water and letting yeah. the yeast like... Yeah, you basically just have to... Boring. Uh, but the reason why you aerate your wort is to make sure that there's enough oxygen for the right. yeast. Yeah, because you, you don't Again, want... Again, so they don't die. Yeah, the last thing you want is after doing all the stuff, throw the yeast in and then it just dies and then you're screwed. Okay, so um, after you've added the yeast, uh, this is a really important step too, is sealing the vessel and making sure there's no outside contaminants. Um, so with our bucket, we had an airlock um, and then with that airlock, you put a 
uh, a little bit of the sanitizing solution in there so it allows gases to escape but keeps the alcohol in there and nothing else coming out. Um, it's also a really good way to monitor your uh, fermentation. So as you're going through and you see the first 48 hours, you see all these bubbles coming out and then all of a sudden, Gary, and you can attest to that, yep. it starts slowing down. My um, kids thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it becomes this little game for your kids. But yeah, um, yeah as, you, as you continue on with that fermentation, you can see when your yeast have kind of slowed down and at least gotten an 80 to 90% yield of what they're supposed to do. That way you don't over-ferment and talk about the uh, auto-cannibalization that we talked about earlier. Um, so after you've done that, um, generally speaking, depending on the, the brew, it can take one, two, sometimes even three weeks on that fermentation process, but you can move it to a secondary fermentation where it will actually introduce a little bit more air into, the uh, at this time, beer. Um, that will allow it to do a secondary fermentation, create a little bit more alcohol. You, at this point in time, you can help uh, the beer itself by filtering out or getting rid of some some of that sediment at the bottom of that bucket. So right. is there a reason why we store them in a dark spot? Is it just to keep them cool? or? Yeah, primarily it's, it's just to keep cool, but um, there is a risk of having UV light in there and it, oh, okay. it can kill your yeast. Yeah, there's a reason why beer bottles summer. are made out of like the amber glass. Amber or, or green uh, glass. Yeah. yeah, and it's to filter the UV. Yeah, so um, once you've got the, the beer into your segment for fermentation, unless you're doing a, a one strung out like what we did, um, that's when you go into a uh, bottling sort of phase. So uh, you can do two different methods here. We have the bottling and we have kegging. Uh, so kegging makes it really, really easy on you. So if you are into home brewing, uh, you skip this priming sugar sort of thing. You introduce it into the keg. Right. So how do you, what is priming sugar? How do you make it? Yeah. So priming sugar can be composed of lots of different things. So we used a dark brown sugar in that porter, but a lot of them just use a simple dextrose. Um, simple corn sugar, and it's it's really easy for the yeast to to get to after they've been through this entire fermentation process. Yeah, you're essentially making a simple sugar. You boiling water and your sugar. You're it's making a, a corn syrup. Just giving us that yeast a snack. Yep. Exactly. So having the simpler sugar, does that mean less complex flavor but more carbonation? Because they don't have to work as hard for it? No, so the easier it is for the yeast to work, the, the faster it will carbonate, but not necessarily enrich flavors. Um, so it will, uh, it will help flavors a little bit. Um, if you go straight to kegging, you actually reduce that a lot. So we were literally at the bottom of the keg here. Um, but with that, with that priming sugar, you are introducing more contents for your yeast to feed. It will grow in your bottles, which is why when you're home brewing, you do get that little bit of sediment in the bottom of your bottles. Yeah, a lot of uh, people suggest that you never finish a bottle for home brew. You leave yeah, just the last little bit. Leave the last half ounce is what they say. Yeah. So you'll fill 12 ounces and only get 11 and a half out of it. But when you're kegging, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, so after you've got your priming sugar, you... Add that to your bottling vessel. For us, it was the carboy that we were mm -hmm. using. Um, not your bottles itself. It's what you're using. It's like a, a secondary The station. vessel by which you bottle. Yes. You can actually use tablets with a, um, that is dextrose like as well. Like an iPad? Uh, not exactly <laughs> like an iPad. Um, don't, put a, don't put iPads in your beer bottles. Um, but little dextrose tablets. Again, this introduces opportunity for infection, um, which is where I believe the stout that I made very most recently 
um, before the porter failed because sanitation on those tablets is really, really difficult yeah, to sketchy. do. So um, a lot of people who are kegging will do those tablets because it's easy and they can store lots of them for a long period of time. But, but I generally don't recommend speaking, it. Yeah, it's better to use a priming sugar that you're taking and you're boiling because mm-hmm. you're killing off everything when you're boiling. Yeah. Or most things. Uh, then we added the beer, which it is beer. It's no longer water at this point, to the bottling vessel. Mix it with the priming sugar gently so as not to yep. stir anything up. A light up. stir yeah. with your tubes. Uh, then we had a, a fun process of siphoning the beer into bottles. Corey did the brunt of the work there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Turns out, yeah. The way the we tra- had this, this cool wand that you just stick down at the bottom of the yeah, bottle, and then it fills one. up, and then once it gets to the top, you just by release we it. we mean Travis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've got our bottles now. After that, and then we got to condition them. Yeah. So um, and this is kind of where we're at right now. So this bottle conditioning allows for the yeast to reactivate in um, these bottled now beers uh, by introducing more sugars to the suspension the yeast will go ahead and give off their byproducts, which is, again, a little CO2. bit of alcohol and CO2. So that actually allows where the carbonation to come from um, to expand inside the bottle, giving you that carbonation in your beers. So after we've done our conditioning, it's usually two weeks as like the minimum, uh, but you can go for longer. And a lot of beers, you should go for longer. Like we went for two weeks on this just so we could have it for this episode, but... Yeah, we were cutting corners. <laughs> this Sunday's two weeks, right? No, technically, Drink. the recipe does direct that it's ready in four weeks. Two it, weeks. It is ready, and it is like, and it you is guys can tell good. it is a young beer. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's only going to get better. Yep. So maybe we'll have this on another episode, say like a month or so from now, and we'll figure out finally the difference. aged. So the next step, which is to refrigerate your beer as desired. If you don't want to, yeah. If you don't want to refrigerate them beers, then drink it warm. Just drink it warm. And the last. And most important step is to open and enjoy your homebrew. Well, that is the general homebrew process. I just want to quickly go over some of the homebrew kits that people can get just so that there's that information. Uh, there's extract kits, which uh, is almost what we had. Uh, you have malt extract that's used instead of making the mash. Uh, so this is a one-pot beer-making strategy. You put your extract in, boil it with your hops, and... Then you just you don't have to filter, filter anything because there's no plant yeah. matter in yep. there. It's and already it's very been, fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you've got the extract plus steeping grains, which is where we were. Which is what, yeah, what, what we did. Uh, mostly we steeped them grains. Yeah, mostly it's the same as the last one, except for they give you specialty grains, uh, which add color and flavor and some of the aromas to the wort and to the finished product. And you're basically just making a specialty grain tea. It's not quite a mash. So next you have your partial mash, uh, where you actually do make a mash from specialty greens. Uh, and then you actually go through the process of loudering the mash. Then you take the malt extract, because you're provided with malt extract as well. Uh, then make your work with all of that. And then you finish as these others have been. Basically, described. the only difference is this doesn't come in a little tea bag. You have to actually louder the mash to get all the You plant. can still get uh, grain bags, grain sacks for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're reusable. Ooh. I wouldn't reuse them, though. <laughs> They're supposed to not add any flavor to the to the beer. It, that is true. Um, which is great. Which, I mean... As far as a, a sanitation and, like, expense sort of thing, they're super inexpensive to do those hacks. You can get a long tube of them, tie them up yourself. They're, like, 
10 cents for a foot or maybe less. Um, but yeah, inexpensive. So, And the most complicated way is the all grain kits, which you make a mash entirely out of your grain. The this process of making it is, it's a multi-step process for extracting the sugars out of specific temperatures. So like you change temperatures back and forth to get you know your alphas, your betas or whatever they're named. Uh, there's like, lots of Gatorade coolers. Yeah. Yeah, you should see some of the YouTube videos I was watching. There's like five different coolers that they're going through for very specific things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, you louder your mash to get your wart and you finish as detailed in the kit instructions that they give you. Um, there's also the all grain brew in a bag or whatever they're called, uh, which is kind of an intermediate method between a partial mash and the all grain. Um, but it's basically just trying to simplify the process so that it's more approachable. So with our kit specifically, all, these are the ingredients that it came with. Uh, so I got this kit from Amazon. This is the Northern Brewer Nut Brown Dark Ale. Yeah, it's an, the extract beer recipe kit, but it is the steeping grains and the extract. Right. Uh, so I paid 35 bucks for this kit. We got 55? No, I think we got pretty close to 58 bottles, including some tall, tall ones. Yeah, there's yeah. a few tall ones. So 58 standard 12-ounce bottles. Yeah. Gallons of beer. Yeah. Uh, that's so, a lot. Yeah. For 35 bucks, I mean, you, you break that down. We're doing that's, okay. That's not bad. Uh, but that is with someone else's. Travis, you had all of the equipment that we needed. Right. So yep. that shaves down the cost. Yep. And, and really the, the, the front expense on those DIY kits, uh, like for a simple plastic bucket method that we did, um, introducing the carboy was probably about 45 extra dollars, but for the full kit, about 120 bucks. So. Yeah, usually it's about between, I think it's 110, 120 is where yeah. And you can get them from the Northern Brewer Supply Company as well. They have kits that have everything included. All right, so this specific kit comes with the steeping grains, which are specialty grains. Uh, they have a Maverick grain blend of equal parts English chocolate malt, nice. the Belgian Special B, Belgian Biscuit, and the Breeze Special Roast. So those are the actual, like, tasting notes that we get from just the chocolatey flavor, the sweetness to it uh, from the roasting one. Uh, we've got the muslin, which is the fabric type of the steeping bag. A reusable mesh cloth bag. Doesn't add flavor or aroma to the product. Or you throw it in the trash. The first wow. That's what we're scared of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got your malt extract, which is a syrup made from the malted grains. Uh, the one that we specifically had was the Breeze Gold Malt Extract Syrup, uh, which is made from pale malt with a small amount of the Cairo Pills malt. Then we had our hops. Uh, we had hop pellets. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't actually have the, food. the goodies. Yeah, I was expecting just a bag of like cool little... <laughs> yeah, Corey was excited. Nuggets. He was just like, so what are the hops like? And then Trav and I are just like, there's little pellets. I was going to say, to include but... the amount of hops that you would need in the actual plants, it would have to have been like a right. gigantic fucking yeah, bag, right? Yeah, yeah you is. need a it's, lot. Yeah, you need an ounce, a full ounce. And yeah. uh, we've got one ounce of the Fugel, which are UK hops. And they describe them as a wonderfully earthy pipe tobacco with floral character. It's classic hop for any English beers: pale ale, brown ale, porter, or stouts. I, I could yeah. I could agree with the earthy tobacco yeah, flavor on that for sure. Yeah, um, and then we had our dry yeast, which was an ale yeast. It's the Safail S dash O four ale dry yeast. Mm, my favorite. Mm, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, apparently, that's just like one of the the stock ones that they just sent out in kits because, especially if for it's like a distributor like Amazon, it's just I think inexpensive and consistent so yeah. they can just provide that, that and know sense. that it's going to work yeah then we had our priming sugar and the complete instructions which you can actually find online so go to their website check it out uh i think that wraps up i mean obviously like we've said with beer there's an extensive amount of beers that can be made there's an extensive amount of ways to make those beers 
there's just no possible way that we could ever cover all of it. But since we had Travis on the show, we wanted to get down like kind of give an idea of how complicated it is, but also how rewarding that this process is and how but it's, while it it's is experiencing your beer. Yeah. It's also very approachable if you take the right approach to it, right? Like yeah. the reason why I got this kit was because it's something that I knew we'd be able to make in time. Right. And it was something that, I mean, I like nut brown hills, so I was a little biased in that because there was another one that was a very simple one as well. But I was like, choose my type <laughs> of beer. Uh, and I figured that it would be successful in a way that we would all be able to enjoy it. But so. I figure while we've got Travis on here, you know, talk up the brewing, but also get to know who he is. Get, get some opinions. Yeah. And other than just Drew's bro, we wanted to ask you a couple questions. So we've compiled yeah. a list of some things, uh, just some some curiosities about yourself. Cool. Shoot. Okay, Travis. Yes. What's your favorite beer of all time? Of all time? Of all time. Um, so I am a very big proponent of uh, probably stouts and okay. IPAs in general. I know they're kind of like on- The strongest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the opposite sides there, right? On flavor profiling. Um, but as far as my favorite beer, it's probably the uh, organic chocolate stout from Sam Smith. Hey. Um, I, and I just learned today that it's going away oh, forever. I believe so. that's the one. Don't yeah. tell everybody. Uh, they're going to buy it all. Um, yeah. So buy it's really sad. I'm going to have to go find it and buy all the all Or all the figure out how they make it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And get a copycat recipe so See, we can drink it. <laughs> there, I'm on my way. <laughs> well, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. Corey has a question for you. What's the worst beer? Ooh. Okay, so um, I'd have to say this is one of my own creations. <laughs> um, the worst beer, well, overall, I don't like sours. Um, just all on its own. Get I'm not this a man off the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of all that uh, uh, <laughs> sour beer flavor. I don't personally. It's just not my thing. Um, when I want a, a beer, I want it to be nice and smooth, either a bitterness or a little bit of a sweet. But sour beer to me is just. Not okay. <laughs> Anything that makes my throat close, yeah. ooh, that's Does it a taste bad a little sign. bit like bile to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you two are brothers. Yeah. Um, so that being that being said, um, I did make probably the worst beer that I've ever tasted. It it did uh, sour up on me. Very. I think it was either the first or the third batch. I can't remember which one um, that I ever made. It was a oatmeal chocolate stout uh which sounds delicious it it was on its way to being amazing but we introduced tablets into that right. priming sugar um not the yeah the priming sugar and uh we it was late at night we probably just missed a step of sanitation somewhere but when we introduced it um it was really really good for the first four weeks and then as you let it sit um some contamination really kicked in and it was just disgusting. Yeah. Um, chocolate oatmeal stout sounds delicious. A uh, sour chocolate, chocolate oatmeal, oatmeal stout. stout. <laughs> it was really gross. And there were, there were some people that actually genuinely enjoyed it. I ended up giving away every single bottle um, that I had remaining on that batch. So out of 52, we made a 52 bottle batch. Um, half of it basically got thrown away because um, I split it with one of my buddies. And then the other half I gave away because I just couldn't, oh. couldn't drink it. All right, and then the next question we have on this list here is, what's your favorite kind of beer to make? Is there is there a different kind of process that you enjoy more than the others? Or um, I think my favorite ones to make are ales in general. Um, 
I find the process very simple, IPAs being my favorite. Um, I'm a little bit biased, obviously, because of this IPA. Um, (laughs) when When you open that bottle and taste that flavor and you're like, yeah, this worked, um, yeah. you kind of go back to that and you're like, okay, why did this work? Um, you just keep going on that process. Um, I was just telling Corey here a second ago, like we introduced dry hopping to this, which is why it has such an aromatic kind of, um, describer to it, I guess. Um, but it, it's, it's very aromatic in those nice, uh, centennial hops. And that was the first hop that we put in there as well to help balance it. So it was very, a very good good one to go with. Um, I, I use a lot of Centennial hops in most of the stuff I do. So like this APA had uh, Centennial hops. Um, I've got another ale that I've made, um, also Centennial hops. It's a very common one here, but it's it's good. Um, IPAs, I feel like, are pretty simple to do if you know what you're doing. You just got to keep track of all those hopping stages. Yeah, I guess. absolutely. Um, you can easily break them down too. Uh, so I've got I usually use like a 15 minute marks. Um, some people do two different types of hops during those 15 minutes and they'll make, they'll break it up like, oh, instead of doing a 45, 30, 15 and zero, they'll just do like, I'm gonna do two balancing hops right at the beginning at 60 and then the two in the middle and call it good. Um, then you don't get quite the aroma, but then you introduce those dry hops and then it's like, oh, well, that balanced it out. How many kinds of beer have you made? Um, not number, like what, what types? Um, so I've made, a stout, an oatmeal stout, a porter, an APA, an IPA, and two different brown ales, one of them being this one, which is a nut brown ale. So a good selection of a little bit of yeah, everything. Yeah, across the board. Um, yeah, I've made two batches of IPAs just because I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of IPAs than I am of most other beers aside from certain stouts. So what's the next beer that you're going to make? And is it a sour? It is not a sour. For your boy. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a sour. So um, I have a redemption brew to make this year. Uh, with that oatmeal stout, it did go sour. So I, I decided that I'm going to try kegging it this year. Um, that is literally what I'm going to be doing after this um, in like about a week or so. you busy, man. Um, I've got an empty keg to fill. And so I've got about a... You're uh, welcome. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. We contribute. Um, yeah, I've got an empty keg, so I've got to go clean that out today. But um, I do want to do my chocolate uh, oatmeal stout again, but this time I'm going to change the bottling process to kegging. So hopefully we get that nice, rich, and creamy, dark chocolate stout. Yeah, when you say awesome. my, are you using your own ingredient list? Or is this like... A kit you're following? Yeah. So um, a lot of the time I do kind of follow the general area of those ingredient kind of kit instructions. But um, a lot of the time I just break them down saying like, okay, well, this is basic brewing. What can I, I add to this? I need a pound of malts. And um, yeah. So like for this particular brew, um, I'm adding an additional three pounds of uh, dark malt extract. So it's... It's really so you need an extra like almost four gallons. Um, no, it 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 just takes longer for it to process all those sugars. So during the sixty minute brew, you do your specialty grains, and I'll still keep that specialty grain with the chocolate oats and uh, those sort of Belgium uh, kind of malts. But with um, the sugars, it will add more of an alcohol content right. to it. So um, yeah, with those DMEs, the dark 
DMEs, they're going to be really... DME is dry malt extract. Right. You have your, your darks and you have your lights, you have your pilsners, um, but... Uh, oh, right, I'm just saying versus the liquid malt extract. Right, right, LMEs. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we use the liquid malt extract to start the wort, and then we use a dry malt extract to continue it. Um, so once we hit boiling, that's when you put in your uh, your dries. So on this particular batch, I do want to hit that 9% um, alcohol level, but I still want it to be a nice, rich, creamy flavor to it. So we're, we're really reaching on this one, but the fla- if I can reach the flavor of what I did in the first two weeks of the original batch, it would be amazing. Um, no infection this time, so no, no sour, sorry. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd have a lot of beer to drink. <laughs> Sour oatmeal stout doesn't sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love sour, so I don't know if I'd love that one. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's, uh, we've probably taken up enough of Travis's time. He's a busy guy out there making all these damn delicious beers. But uh, thank you guys for visiting us. We always want to say, you know, be safe, be responsible. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink under age. Uh, we're not responsible for that. We don't have insurance, so don't blame us. You know, <laughs> if I can just interject here, we never named a beer of the show. Oh, Ooh. snap. Let's make some votes. Uh, I think we all know what it is. Our beer. But, <laughs> trap. So I'm, I'm obviously biased toward my IPA. However, I would like to say the, uh, the porter has richened up. And it has gotten finally the level of carbonation that I wanted it to have. I'd probably say beer of the day is the porter. Corey. Um, I got to go with the IPA. I'm not really the biggest IPA guy, but the IPA was just so damn good. I also, I think that the IPA is the best beer you've made, but I think the Porter is way better than it was before, so I'm also kind of biased that the Porter's the best one, just because it's, it feels like it's a new beer, and so, Porter. Man, I think it's probably because it's young, but I really like the Nut Brown. It's super <laughs> sweet and bready. Uh, I, I I dig it a lot, actually. The Porter was definitely... 1.5 you know what i mean like that's 1.5 out of 10 no out of the four you know the nut what? brown is number one and oh yeah yeah i mean the, the porter is it's so good and it's it's hard to say because the ipa was delicious the yeah. apa was actually really good even for being the bottom of that keg uh so there yeah. were no bad beers here yeah we had some really for sure. good drinks yeah yeah as we can tell it's almost all gone almost everything's gone <laughs> yeah we had a lot too <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Travis, for coming on. Thanks, thank you sir. for uh, providing the beers for us this time. It's nice to have uh, a different change of pace. Usually, you know, we've got all of these breweries that we, we enjoy or that we're trying out for the first time. Uh, it's a rare treat to actually just have something that was homemade. That we're connected yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and hopefully it sparks a little interest in even just one of you viewers out there if you want to try some home brewing. It, it was extremely fun and super rewarding. I mean, two months in or a month and a half in, whenever you get to drink it, uh, it's worth it, yeah. for sure. And while there was no magic on this episode, basically all week we've been talking about homebrewing decks. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's, it's been there. I would like to add one thing, too. Um, like Amazon, no. Amazon is great to, to get your products and yeah. everything there, but like if you can, go support your local... Uh, like homebrew supply store, you're going to get lots of knowledge from them too. Little tips and tricks and little tweaks on your recipes. A lot of the guys there are just fantastic. They will take care of you like they have with me. 
um, if you have an idea of flavor profile, they usually know their stuff, so they'll just be able to help you out. Well, and your specific like regional differences too, like what time of year you should be trying this because right. here in Utah it's really dry and uh, it's pretty hot in the summer, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's funny because it's just that mirrors what we usually say about magic products is that yeah. you should go try and support your uh, local yeah. game store as much yeah. as you can. So it makes sense that we should also talk about supporting your local brew store local brew stores local breweries just trying yeah for sure just staying local is it's just sometimes the best thing you can do so i think that about wraps it up for us guys as we like to say on this podcast have fun but not too much Bye.